Production presents Under the Water Tower, sponsored by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Well, we got a uh, big show today, but we want to start off with a tribute to the late Eddie Van Halen, who passed away this week. I think a lot of well, listeners probably grew up listening to Van Halen and Probably have a lot of memories of Van Halen and just a uh, just a sad loss in the music world and to hear about it. But uh, you know, again, lived a, a great life, put out you know great music for a lot of generations, and and it's sad to see him gone. Really, such a huge part of the MTV generation, Derek. You know, David Lee Roth and, and Van Halen, uh, Eddie Van Halen was was a big part of, of I know most of our lives, and whether you knew it or not, I mean, he's all over MTV in the early '80s and stuff like that, and and their band was tremendous in the '80s and early '90s. So uh, just a shout out to him and and all of his fans. Uh, again, uh, life certainly, he lived like a rock star. He did. Sad to see him go. Speaking of rock star, let's talk about rock stars in real estate in DeSoto County. Under the Water Tower podcast presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch is celebrating almost 13 years together. Team Couch has been the number one real estate team in DeSoto County for well over a decade. They're licensed in Mississippi and Tennessee. Team Couch possesses almost 55 years combined of real estate experience and real estate licensing in, in, in the state of Mississippi. If you are buying or selling real estate in DeSoto County, there's no better team to work with. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. One thing I've continued to miss is there's a lot of new realtors out there, a lot of people with short time experience, uh, short time in the, in the industry. Again, Team Couch uh, has sold hundreds of millions of dollars of real est- residential real estate. So there's experience there. There's knowledge from the beginning to the end of the real estate process. If you're looking for a real estate team, there's no better team than Team Couch of Birch Realty. Give them a call, 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or find them at www teamcouch.com. All right, turn to some national news. Uh, we don't usually cover a lot of national news on here, but there's a couple stories this week just kind of wanted to uh, let our listeners know about. The first is is that the uh, House of Representatives took 12 accusations in a, uh, a report they put out on Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. They have released a scathing report on four of the world's of largest tech companies accusing them of abusing their market power. The report, which was released on Tuesday, includes a 16-month investigation into those four companies, recommended breaking up the companies and passing the most sweeping changes to antitrust laws in decades. So again, this is huge news. This is a lot of the companies that we use every day and what we do, um, you know, just in, in normal everyday life, cell phones, uh, communications. And so the, I think the lawmakers, I know they have had several hearings with them, and finally they came out with a report, and it looks like whatever happens in no, right after November, Especially, you know, if there's a, uh, I guess, a makeup that is going to be uh, against, you know, the, the large businesses doing things, you're probably going to see a lot of shakeup here in the next 12 to 24 months in these businesses. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Derek. I mean, the word antitrust, help me out, Derek. Antitrust is simply a word that says, hey, you're, you're unfair getting, marketplace. Unfair marketplace. You're getting too big. You're you're controlling uh, the direction of this industry uh, more than you should. So uh, that's a way for uh, government steps in and, and says, hey, um, there may be a better way to do this. Typically, it doesn't 
doesn't necessarily work. It's amazing. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of times, like the telecommunication stuff, antitrust stuff, maybe in the '90s or whatever, they broke up. Uh, the AT- 80s, uh, yeah, AT and T, right? Broke up AT and T and Bell well, South and Bell all that South, kind of stuff. Well, you know, of course, it was the uh, Bell was right. the company. Then they split it up into different regions. You had Bell South and uh, you know out west they had a Bell and stuff like that. Then they actually took it even further. And so then it just became AT&T. Of course, no more bill. Obviously, though, you know, funnily, uh, my phone in my office uh, is dated 1987. This is no lie. The, the office phone that I use, 1987, says Bell South on it. I have a Bell South phone that I use every day in my office. 1987. 1987. Hmm. But, again, uh, that's so, you know, AT&T uh, is still here, and, and, you know, they're large. But you still have a rise, and you have, you know, other carriers. Right. And so that wasn't true 40 years ago. And now what you're looking at is, you know, Amazon not allowing, you know, the being unfair practices to people that sell on Amazon, making them use certain channels, putting Amazon's products in front of their products. That's sure. one of the accusations for Apple. You know, they're having to pay 30 uh, percent, everybody that has an app on there. So, you know, Fortnite has a huge thing going on right now where they actually set up a way where you could pay them directly and not go through Apple. Apple immediately took their um, app off of their in their app marketplace right. because App, you know, Apple is getting 30% of everything you buy. So if you buy something on Fortnite through your phone, if you buy any of the gaming, if you're on Candyland and you buy something because you need more lives or more people, whatever, Apple gets 30% of that for everybody. And Fortnite said, that's way too much. They're not here for you. They're here for me. And all you're doing is giving the avenue. That's not worth 30%. That may be worth 10%. It may right, be worth 5%, sure. not 30%. Apple immediately took them off, which didn't help Apple's case that they immediately squelched them when they try to, you know, sure, fight it. Sure. And so, again, it's stuff like that that they're looking to break up. Yeah, look, and we're talking about some of the smartest people in the world, not just in the United States. We're talking about the smartest people in the world. And a lot of times those smartest people, uh, one of the things they're very, really, really smart at is making money. So yeah. <laughs> that's just the honest truth. I mean, Apple, I, I saw something the other day. Apple could buy every professional sports team with cash. Well, they, yeah, they have hundreds of billions of hundreds dollars. Hundreds of billions of dollars. Just amazing. But so what we're talking about, again, uh, from a national level, is the possibility of the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples, the Amazons, those different large companies that we deal with every single day that we just take for granted, per se. You just walk up and do it. Um, you know, maybe being broken up or certainly investigated deeply to uh, possibly uh, some things that they've been doing. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll have to probably make some changes, allow some things they have not allowed so far, and see if they can satisfy what the lawmakers want to see. But right. it's just going to be interesting to watch over the next 12 or 24 months. Yeah, no doubt. Something Another, else. Uh, something else in national news uh, that happened this week <clears throat> is that, you know, this is a, kind of a crazy thing, and uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on uh, in the government, a lot of crazy stuff, you know, is going to go on uh, you know, leading up to the election and accusations and rumors and stuff like that. But I think one of the things that actually happened was that the there was a a, a hit uh, a, a takeout trying to uh, kidnap the Michigan governor, and the people doing it were called the Wolverine Militia. Happened this week. Uh, this also happened on Tuesday. So a lot of stuff going on down on Tuesday. But just a, a very just weird place where we are in America right now, where a governor of a state uh, there's a plot to kidnap her. And again, just something very very strange. Again, the Wolverine Militia. Uh, 13 guys were arrested and just a, a, a sad thing. And, again, look, everybody's politics are different. Everybody has different beliefs. And I know that people have been upset by the way Michigan has handled the lockdown and, and you know, businesses and stuff like that. But I think that's maybe going – well, I know it's going way overboard. And so, again, people, let's, let's keep our heads cool uh, as we go into this final 30 days of the election. Let's – you know, uh, again, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, or a party's going to win, party's going to lose. But it's going to be okay. We can. We need to start working together. Come together. Uh, we just don't need to have 
stuff like this going on. Well, yeah, and if you look it up, some of the guys, there's some very interesting-looking guys that were arrested, not the kind of folks that uh, most of us in Hernando would, would uh, hang out with, per se. Uh, Derek, the main thing we covered this is because the name of their uh, militia is what again? Wolverines. Which is a- absolutely an ode to the Red Dawn movie Yes, uh, from the early 80s, which is one of our favorite movies. So. It's a great movie, right. but I do want to, you know, the Wolverine militia doesn't even understand more than half of them died. Okay, spoiler alert for the, for the movie Red Dawn. Yes. More of the half of the Wolverines died. So let's not, probably don't need to go down that path. If, you're, if you've never seen Red Dawn, uh, it's one of those movies that I stop at every dime Fantastic. it's on and sit there and watch it to the end. Definitely so rewatchable. Yeah, absolutely. I never even, it's, I love that movie so much, I'd never even watch a new one. Oh, no, I, no, I refuse to watch yeah. the new one. The new one doesn't exist. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it doesn't exist. So, again, anyway, again, anyway, this is more of a shout-out to the, the word Wolverines uh, than it is to, to Megan Whitmer. So that's a couple of national things that we're uh, talking about to pay attention to. We're going to turn our attention to state uh, news quickly. We're heading from national, state, county to city. Uh, Derek, mask mandate in the state of Mississippi is over, but uh, residents of DeSoto County, listen up, because you are being asked to uh, possibly keep wearing those. Yeah, DeSoto County has one of the higher rates of infection in Mississippi, and the, DeSoto, the state health officials, excuse me, have urged Mississippi residents all over the state, along with DeSoto County, to still wear a mask to help the spread of the virus, and the Board of Supervisors is also encouraging people to continue to follow the state guidelines regarding COVID precautions. Again, we, it, we saw uh, you know a, a fall in cases. Now there's, it looks like they may be ticking up again a little bit. Again, you know I know flu season starting. Again, we've said three or four times on this podcast, get your flu shot. But in regards to you know the COVID, to the virus, please, please, please continue to take the precautions, especially those that may be compromised. And let's let's just you know try not to let this thing grow again. Whether it's devastating to your family, to the ones that you love, or people that you know, or not. Um, it will. We've seen governments, states, cities, you know, the nation shut down because of assumed threats to our health. So again, let's just do what we can in order to continue. I've said it several weeks ago, Derek. If you want to wear a mask, no big deal. Wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, you know, I mean, we're all we're all in this together. I mean, let's just do do whatever you're comfortable doing is what I'm saying. Yeah, you know? and again, and that's if, it. If, right. And if you're not comfortable around somebody that doesn't have a mask on, and you want to wear a mask, then just avoid. It's just if avoid, you yeah. want to, if you don't want to wear a mask, and you go where people are wearing masks, you know, don't disparage them, don't right, walk down sure. upon them. Just again, let's let's just let's be kind, gentle humans, right? And and let's be able to you know to live together. Yeah, and when in doubt, remember we talked about this. Uh, just go sit down. Yes. Go sit down because like I te- texted you the other day, the state of California asking you to put your mask back on in between bites. At a restaurant. That, that, that may be a little overboard. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not some need. That for would s- not be a very – I mean, there, I do have that, some that, friends that, that I have dinner with that I do have some friends I've had dinner with before. I wish they would put a mask on and keep it on. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, that's, that's another story. Yeah, some, some people – Yeah, it, it does another, get kind of sickening to watch that's some another people story. Eat. Look, we just want to encourage people to, to stay healthy, wash your hands, uh, hand sanitizer, all that type stuff. I mean, let's just be smart about it and uh, keep pushing forward into the uh, the cold – Cold season, uh, you know, flu season, that type of stuff. But uh, anyway, that's our state news. Moving to county, Derek. County, county the news. supervisors yeah. uh, had a meeting this week, and there's a couple things that came out of that meeting. The first, uh, the specifications were approved for a new justice court facility that will be in Hernando, and the bids were released. The project will be $7 million, around $7 million. Obviously, it'll be based on what the bids come in, and will be built next to the adult, adult detention center off of Industrial Drive in Hernando. So, again, just a, a new building they're looking to add to, you know, the Hernando is the county seat of DeSoto County, and so all of the, 
you know, federal stuff, all the um, judicial stuff is located here. And this is something that they're going to add as a new justice court facility uh, that will be added to Hernando. So again, just a, a good news for the county, good news for just being able to process uh, everybody that comes through the courts and to us, to our court system and all the wonderful judges that we have. We just, with, this is something that is needed and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what the bids come in. It's something that's going to help the, the square, correct? Well, it'll be, it'll be out by the industrial drive. Right. That's what I'm saying. It pull, it'll pull the, some justice oh, yeah, court yes, stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying. D- justice court will now no longer take place in the courthouse. Right. It'll be out. Out, out yeah, closer to the jail exactly closer to the jail out in that area so that'll definitely help uh, i mean i think that's where the push is from a law enforcement mm-hmm. standpoint kind of out to that area uh off of vaden on industrial drive uh in the southern part of fernando correct yes yeah, southern part of fernando eastern, exactly well, off of 50, well, southeast of um highway 51 right. that's correct something else Derek. county news like you said the county uh board of board of supervisors uh from their meeting uh, one of the discussions coming up rezoning the 69 and lauder road the southwest side of 69 and lauder road it's about a 69 70 acre track right there doing some rezoning in order to uh build what Derek? well they're looking it's zoned to c2 right right now. it's zoned so, for a store now yes right yes. now it's it's zoned could have a c store could have other things but c2 does allow for a c store or a uh, gas station and now what they're doing is is but the current restrictions on that c2 uh, zoning are no bathrooms and no sleepovers, no no overnight uh, people. No I showers. Guess. You no can showers. have a bathroom. No shower. Yeah, did I say what I said? He said no bathroom. <laughs> oh, that would be terrible. That would be rude. No showers and no uh, sleeping over uh, at the spot. Well, obviously that's you know because people did not want to have a truck stop there when this was rezoned a couple of years ago, and and that that's fine. Well, now the developers of the site are trying to have those restrictions removed. They want to allow showers. They want to allow overnight stays. Uh, you know, sleeping over. And, but, you know, specifically for a truck stop, and not only, and even more specific than that, for a Loves truck stop that they're looking to bring. Yeah, Loves is a developer trying to say, hey, can we get this adjusted? And when it, when we talk about sleeping over, we're talking about the big rigs that's 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 right. The night. This is not yeah not yeah. not uh, <laughs> we're not, not, not not a, a thirty minute a night <laughs> motel here. This is um, this is you know the sleeping over of you know allowing trucks to stop over and sleep in the parking lots, allow them to go in with larger bathrooms for yeah, showers, a, a truck stop. And I mean, it's, everybody knows what it loves. I think pretty much around here, they're you know I, I think a pretty reputable. Uh, truck stop, but usually very clean. The ones I've been into, very large. Uh, have you know usually have some kind of restaurant in there, uh, a chain restaurant of some sort. Right. And again, it's it's a great place. Truckers, you know, and there's not much. If you know, if you're thinking about going from Tupelo to, if you're going maybe to 55, heading to Jackson, if that's the way you choose to go, if you're coming from Birmingham and then going south on Jackson, I mean, toward Jackson, Mississippi, toward the coast, there's not a lot between there. I mean, once you get past Tupelo. There's not a, a large truck stop, so no. I mean, that's a good hour, hour and a half past Tupelo that a trucker could stop, could do it. Now, I'm not a landowner in that area. I don't have a, and it's in the county. It does not affect any specific city. It's in the county. That's why the board of supervisors took it up. Again, I, I don't have a, a feeling either way really about it, uh, but I know that people are very passionate, especially people that live over there, maybe off Malone Road, off of Water Road, just you know north of there. Would obviously you know may have some issues with with truckers being overnight. So what goes along with this announcement is also the fact that there are two things coming up where people you can have your your voice heard. The first is the developer. Uh, represented by Steve Walters, will be holding a meeting uh, on October 19th at 6 p.m. at the supervisor's boardroom. Uh, Now, the supervisors are not involved with this meeting. They're just allowing him to use the boardroom. And it will be from 6 to 8 p.m. that night. He'll do about a 30-minute presentation. 
And then after that, about an hour and a half open for uh, discussion, questions, and that sort of thing. And then the supervisors are having a public hearing on the rezoning. So again, allowing for those restrictions to be lifted at on November 2nd at 1 p.m. So again, the developers presenting October 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. without the Board of Supervisors. I mean, they, they have nothing to do with that. And then on the, But the actual supervisors will meet again to discuss this matter, to hear public input on November 2nd at 1 p.m. And that Board, uh, November 2nd would be a Tuesday at 1 p.m. Board of Supervisors room is where? No, I'm sorry, Monday at 1 p.m. Uh, Board of Supervisors in the County Administration Building, second floor. Okay, County Administration. Where so you get your car tags. Right, same place you get your car tags, second floor. If you've never been up there, that's where the Board of Supervisors uh, room is. So, I mean, there, we'll talk more about it as it gets a little closer or as it kind of begins to get more traction. We, you and I both know the land owner over there. That's something I've talked with him about. I, I had a feeling that's where we were headed was the opportunity. He's had an opportunity to, to do multiple C stores in that area. But again, the, the, the big deal was the overnight uh, stay, overnight sleep by the truckers and stuff like that. So, um, but interesting, I mean, that, that affects that area, certainly affects uh, people living in you know Hernando area because, um, heck, it's a heck of a nice truck stop that could be right there on Lauder Road. That would be a, a game changer for a lot of a lot of people in that area, um, travel-wise especially. No, I agree, completely agree. So, um, again, just if you're interested in that, October 19th and, and November 2nd are the dates to remember. Just please put that on your calendar, if you're, and we will also announce that next week. Podcast brought to you by The Print House, located at 2462 Church Street. The Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services, business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs. Whether it's a new logo or marketing plan for your business or a large order of t-shirts, the ladies at The Print House can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105. Or find them online at theprinthousems.com. They will honor a 5% discount if you simply mention the UTW podcast. Gladly hand you a 5% discount instantly. Podcast also brought to you by Precision Services, located in Hernando. Whether you're a real estate flipper or a homeowner with simply too much in your yard, Precision can help. They specialize in residential or commercial renovations. With over 20 years' experience in the demolition, junk removal, and construction business, Precision is eager to bid on your next project. Give them a call at 662-469-4189. That's 662-469-4189. Mention the podcast, and you too can get a 5% discount. So we've gone from national to state to county, and now we're on city levels. There were two Alderman meetings that we that we researched uh, from this week, both on Tuesday, South Haven and Hernando. The South Haven Alderman meeting, we're going to push to our Tuesday show, our Tuesday podcast. In essence of time, we're trying to keep this show usually around the 45-minute mark, maybe 50 minutes, and we do have a lot of sports to cover today. So we're going to uh, move that to Tuesday. There's nothing pressing. There's no upcoming meetings that, have, that are affected uh, by us moving that. So please tune in to our podcast on Tuesday to hear about the breakdown of several interesting things that the city of South Haven discussed and are looking to move forward on uh, on that day. Yeah, you started to tell me, uh, you, you watched the, the South Haven Alderman um, uh, YouTube channel or and whatever for a two-hour meeting. That's correct. So, uh, yeah, you, you, you told me all the different things that we need to talk about. But, again, that'll be Tuesday. We'll talk about the city of South Haven's uh, Alderman meeting on Tuesday. A lot of neat stuff. Whether you live in South Haven or not, it's still a lot of stuff that uh, affects you. I mean, we all shop eating South Haven. Absolutely, so, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we all, I mean, DeSoto County, we talk about being one one large community. Uh, we're in South Haven, seems like. I mean, you're in South Haven just about every day up at North Point. So, uh, definitely need to pay attention to what's going on in South Haven. But turning our sights to the Hernando uh, Board of Alderman meeting this past Tuesday. What you got? 
All right, so the Hernando Board of Aldermen meeting, uh, this one wasn't quite as long as the South Haven meeting, uh, but they did get a lot. They did have several uh, items of discussion. Uh, the first one I want to mis- mention is that part of the consent agenda was appointing uh, three new people to the uh, Historic Preservation Commissioners. Uh, those three new people are Aaron Owen, a friend of the show. That's exactly and right. So we want to uh, congratulate Aaron on that appointment. Jennifer Shepard and Rob Long. On Rob Long, who provides us with the DeSoto County Fact of the Week every week. And so we want to say thank you to Rob uh, and just a congratulations to him on being uh, named the Historic Preservation Commissioner. And with him being the uh, museum director, uh, I could not think of anybody more to you know more deserving of the historic preservation commissioner real position. quick historic preservation commissioner it's going to be somebody that's going to uh, a certain amount of area around the square in hernando mm-hmm. discuss historical buildings historical houses historical things and try and preserve those as best you can right they'll probably have you know um the they'll give their it. i guess opinion to the sure. uh, different uh, the planning commission to right. the alderman about how things should be done if, if you know something wants to be rezoned a certain way if something or somebody wanted to maybe you know purchase a house and improve it you know they would have a lot of say in that right yeah for those hernando people that don't know that, that's what they do. They give an opinion, like I said, a certain amount of space around the square, right, I would assume? Yeah, it's, it's like uh, two or three blocks from okay. each side of the square. Yeah, so, like that. yeah, let's say within a mile of the square in Hernando. Oh, it's less than that. Less than that. Well, I mean, yeah. give or take. Five, let's say half a mile around the square. Uh, if you're going to do something to affect a historical building, a home, or something like that, they have an opportunity to visit with you and, and help guide you in the discussion on, like I said, everything from brick and, and trying to preserve what Hernando looks like, especially around the 200-year-old square. Uh, the next thing was is that uh, and we mentioned last show that, or from the last meeting, that um, we have a new uh, deputy, you know, excuse me, a new chief of, of, we have a new fire chief in Hernando. And so, of course, he was the deputy chief before that and was uh, promoted. And so now they were, had to hire a new deputy chief. That was named on Tuesday, Sam Witt is now the new deputy chief of the Hernando Fire EMS Department. So congratulations to him. And I think he'll do a great job in the position and look forward to his leadership over the, you know, helping with the fire department going forward. Next thing up there that they talked about was some improvements to Conger Park. What did they, what did they do there? All right, so they authorized to advertise for the um, the bids for the improvements. The uh, This is going to Part of this money that we're, is, the city is getting for this is from Blue Cross Blue Shield. They're going to keep pitching some money to help with this. This is part of the, you know, keeping people healthy, getting them outside. What they're looking to do for this is to widen the pathway. There's already an asphalt pathway, I think, if, if you're familiar with Conquer Park, that goes around the perimeter. So they're looking to widen it. They're looking to improve the surface texture and then also to make sure that they improve the designated pathway. So, you know, if there's any kind of coming too close to something they'll kind of cut it out maybe go around a tree here and there and that sort of thing so that's being put out to bid uh and they'll help to have those back in the next 30 days and report it to the board to get that uh, approved and then get that started approved and it's probably a project that'll take place winter spring i mean you can't really do a lot of i don't you tell me i don't know if you can do a lot of asphalt or not work they'll, they'll have to wait i mean not if you know if you have like a you know, I guess if you're looking at a 15-day stretch where you know it's not going to be below freezing, you could probably do it in the winter sure, time. And sure. again, we're not—it's not a total redo. Right. It's just an improvement. Now, so if they know, oh yeah, it looks like we got a two-week dry stretch here, we can get it done. If not, they will have to wait. You don't want to asphalt. You don't know, right. want to do it on frozen ground or anything like that. Yeah. So improve the uh, the, the the playground in the last year. That's right. Uh, definitely spent a lot of money last there. October. That right. was, of course, the Maddox Foundation did a great part in, right. in helping to fundraise and do matching grants for that. Improve the 
playground equipment. So, and you know, now trying to improve the uh, the walking trails, the walking track uh, around Conger Park. So, a great job by the city, and and the, the city seems to do a really good job paying attention to the grants. Certainly discussing and and, and Lord knows accepting the grants uh, to improve the the stuff. So, but, uh, you that's, know, you know Gia, Gia Matheny is, is kind of heads of that, and she does a great job, as you said, applying for and receiving grants for the city. Again, we mentioned the linear part that's been going on for several years. That's all, that's now complete or almost complete, and then of course now we're looking at this. That she also was able, you know, when the, when the tr- old track was resurfaced, that was also from a grant that was like five years ago, five right. or six years ago. So again, just the city does a great job being able to try to find those funds out there to get that done. Right. Another project we've talked about just real briefly. If you think about where one Memphis Street is, right on the north side, literally on the, the just steps away from one Memphis Street. On the north side, if you were to open the back doors of One Memphis Street, you step right onto it. Um, Dale Wilson, uh, the, de- the developer, um, has planned a a project there for three townhomes, townhomes. and uh, that was tabled. Uh, they were ready to discuss that, but that was tabled. It was tabled. The developer was not able to make the meeting, right? And so they tried to reach him. He was unable to make it, and so they have tabled that to the next meeting. Table that to the next meeting. So no, no reason to talk about that. But um, Derek, arguably the most uh, important part of the uh, meeting uh, is the the wards that you and I talked about. Now everybody who's listening to this podcast is is, is aware of like, hey, I, I vote in certain ward one or ward two or ward three, or I vote at the Longview Point Church or the fire station, and and so you're part of a ward. And so there's been a lot of discussion, and we talked about it on Tuesday. Uh, there's been some issues with the um, the wards here in Hernando not being exactly um, well, not in compliance. But uh, not in compliance is that a state thing or a federal thing? This is a federal thing. Okay, so it's a federal thing. Not being in compliance with federal regulations when it comes to wards, ward size, number of uh, registered voters, all that kind of stuff inside the the, the wards. So, uh, Derek, catch us up on that. If the listeners will, will bear with me, I will try to do summarize this the best we can, uh, but also try to give you a lot of information. Uh, the Right now, there are currently six wards in Hernando. Uh, there's seven aldermen. The, the seventh alderman, that would be um, Doc Harris. He is an alderman at large, which means he's – kind of like the mayor he's being able to vote it on by every ward everybody can vote for doc but then everybody it lives in a in a certain ward uh the wards have uh you know obviously we went from four wards to six wards that was in 2008 so the city grew uh from the 2000 census they were estimating you know kind of where they were in 2008 so they we hernando used to have four wards and then it went to six well, we're not talking about expanding wards at this time. However, the wards have gotten out of balance. Uh, all the wards, you know, if we have 15,000 people, we have 20,000 people, you need to take that number, divide it by six, and have, you know, a roughly equal amount of people in each ward. Now, of course, you're not going to have it down to the single person. But, you know, do with it, they, you know, they have deviations, which you're allowed to go from ward to ward. So one ward should not be basically what they kind of a guideline they look at is more than 10% greater than another ward, right? So the, the 10% deviation or less is kind of what you shoot for. Well, Hernando is at 98.43% deviation. So basically almost 100% deviation, uh, you know, and which is uh, 90% out of the norm, uh, and if not, you know, uh, but something that needs to be addressed. Now you're saying, well, okay, well, that's fine. This is a, 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 a recent problem, something we need to look at, and that is just not true. This Hernando has been out of compliance around 99% since two, that they've known about it since 2011. 2011 is when the 2010 census was received. They knew about it at the time. Uh, nothing was done. It was a uh, right at 90, 90, I think a 98.7% deviation then nothing was done. And so there was an election the next year. They just they, they kept the wards how they were. Well, in 2016, they hired a consultant 
fourteen paid fourteen thousand six hundred thirty-five dollars to help redraw the district, uh, of the districts of the wards, and that was done a by Slaughter and Associates. The uh, recommendation was made to the alderman. The alderman chose not to act on it. Uh, so in two, when the 2017 city elections happened, we were at 98.4% deviation, where we currently still are. Uh, in 2020, the a consultant in February of this year, another consultant was paid $20,000 and attorney fees of $33,000 to continue to try to do this. Now, those people, those developers, have come up with uh, several plans. Now, again, as I mentioned, right now we're at 98.43% deviation. So the largest ward is Ward 3 with 3,300 people. The smallest ward is Ward 2 with 982 people. So that's how far out of whack. The, if, you, if you wanted to take, again, we're still talking about the 2010 census. So if you want to make it even, that there should be around 2,348 people per ward. So again, one has 3,300 and the smallest has 98, I mean, uh, 982. So that's what they're trying to, to do. Now, there's two things the city has to look at. Number one is the Constitution guarantees one person, one vote. The Constitution. The Constitution of the United States of America <laughs> represents one person, one vote. And so when you get out of whack, what happens, you know, people that are in, you know, maybe underrepresented in their district or for their district. And so that kind of violates the one person, one vote rule. The other thing the city, though, has to look at is the Civil Rights Act. Civil Rights Act says that you cannot purposely redline, redraw districts to exclude minority vote or to dilute minority vote. So that's the two things that, again, the attorneys, the, the, develop, the planners, the consultants have had to try to deal with in redrawing these wards. Now, they've come back, again, as I said, I think with like six or seven different um, solutions or different uh, options to choose from for Hernando. And real quick on our listeners, Derek is holding six or seven things in his hand that you can't see obviously on the podcast, but he's holding the diff- different maps, the different things that the consultants and people have come back with and drawn and said, look, Board of Aldermen, here it is, guys. Uh, here's the stuff y'all paid us for, Derek. I tallied it up. Over $64,000 have been spent. That's right. $64,000 has been put spent. And so there's there's several different plans. Now, some of these plans have it under 10%. One uh, Plan 1 has it at 6.73. Plan 2 has it at 8.39. And then Plan 3 has it at 8.52. Now, so there's several that have it under 10. Plan 4 has it at 17.89% uh, deviation, which is higher than 10. Plan 5 at 8.74. And Plan 5A at 16.4%. Now, why this is 5A and 6, I'm not aware of, but it is 5A. So there's six overall plans, but uh, there's a 5 and a 5A. Now, so that's what the, the alderman, that's what they came back with. So this basically said, we need to look at one of these. The alderman then had an attorney look at it and say, okay, if we were ever challenged, if, if our uh, elections were ever challenged, which ones of these would hold up in court? The uh, attorney said, look, I feel most comfortable about 2 and 5A. So plan 2 and plan 5A. As I said, plan 2, 8.39% deviation. Plan 5A, 16.4% deviation. And you say, well, why wouldn't they pick one of the other ones that are you know, either 8% or, or the other one that's 6%? Well, that's where we come into the Civil Rights Act that I mentioned before. One of the wards currently, Ward 2, is at 77, excuse me, 73% um, Minority, minority voters. Minority voters is in that thing. And so that's obviously a very uh, highly 
you know, minority district, and they do have representation on the Board of Aldermen. Of, that is a minority, so um, again, that's 73%. The plan two would take that number to 41.25%. The plan 5A would take that to 47%. So, you know, 5A is almost right at 50% for the minority vote. That's kind of why... In, in that particular ward. Right, in that particular ward, yes. that's correct. That's, that's sort of why that's one of the ones that, even though it is out of compliance, that the attorney felt that he could defend uh, in a lawsuit if the elections were challenged. Now, that's the, the biggest thing for the city. Who's our city attorney? Kenny Stockton. So Kenny Stockton is the city attorney. So what they're saying is, is that that's, these are the ones that we can look to, to try to do. The aldermen have, have continued to kick this down the road. Um, well, real quick, I'm, I'm not trying to jump in on you, but listen to this. At, at any point when the aldermen are saying, hey, if we, if we have to have legal action, uh, which one of these works best in our favor? At any point did they say? Did the attorney say not the one is at ninety eight point four percent, which is the current one? The, and that, again, that's what we're dealing with. Is that you know we have an election next year, we have city election yeah. next year. If they do not do this, and and again, you've got about thirty days to get this done to be able because well, once you pick it, you've got to set it out for thirty days for everybody to and know about it, you know, to to publicize it, and then assuming there's no you know objections or or suits filed to stop it. Then, then you've got to issue new cards for the vote because now everybody's got you may be in a different ward, right. and you've got to be done before the April election of next year. And you know, and campaigning for the ward start in January, uh, so we don't have much time. But the problem is, if they do this and the election next spring is challenged because of the deviation, it, it could be. And if you don't go, if you stick with where you are, that may be election that is postponed. That is uh, kicked out. Thrown out, yeah. And so, again, that's what the city is dealing with. Now, what's going to happen is, okay, well, what happens if it's kicked out? What happens if it's challenged? Well, the DOJ would come in and they say, okay, city, you've got two weeks, four weeks to get this done. And then if, if, you, can ever, if you can come to a solution, then that's fine. We'll have the election again or, or we've postponed it that we can have the election then. Well, and then all they're going to do is come back to one of these plans and say, okay, I guess we better go with that one. Sure. Well, why wait on that? Let's exactly. just go ahead and do it. So. That we're hoping that the aldermen choose that. Uh, again, we've uh, talked with the mayor on this. He's going to be on our podcast next Friday. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to go too much more into, into depth about kind of all this because we're going to ask him the questions. He'll come in here. He'll give his side of it where we've been. But again, this is something that has been, we've been out of compliance since 2011. We've had two elections since then, uh, and we're coming upon our third. Something has to be done. Aldermen. That they are, are you know. So, now I'm not saying that the aldermen don't like any of these. You know, one likes one, maybe two like another. But it's you know they have to have a consensus of four or more to be able to to go with this. And the problem is, is that you may have aldermen pitted against each other. You know, you, wards come together, and two sitting aldermen may have to go against each other because now they're in the same ward. Uh, somebody's ward, you know, may increase. Um, you know, again, there will be a ward more than likely that has less than a 50% minority vote. And so there's a lot of stuff that goes into this, and I'm not saying it's a, a simple process, just pick one, but at some point, they have to pick one. Um, and, and so, again, we'll, we'll talk with the mayor more about it next week, but want to make the citizens aware that this does directly affect you, especially if, you're, if you've seen the plans. If you're in one of these neighborhoods that are on the border of one ward now, you may be in another ward come April, and whoever's been your, you know, your alderman who you've been calling for, for years now uh, may completely change not either you know not just talking about maybe have somebody else elected it may be a completely different ward and area that you're now kind of lumped in with so again i hope that the citizens will educate themselves on this and really pay attention because the next meeting the mayor is going to ask for one of these to be 
I guess, put up, hopefully make a motion to accept one of these, and we'll see what happens there. Right. And so, Derek, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Correct. Is it a, de- is a definition of leadership knowing there's a problem and fixing it? Knowing there's a problem and addressing it? We're, and look, you and I are not elected officials. Like you said, we'll talk to the mayor next week. Excited about that opportunity to visit with him. This is a board of aldermen issue, right? They, they're the ones that vote for the change. Right. And the mayor, it's a, you know, it's a type of system is what we have. Right. Okay. So we're talking about, again, over $64,000. How many budget meetings and talks have we talked about just in the last 17 shows of our podcast here and discussed that? So $64,000 that we spent since 2011 over and over. Attorneys, consumers. Consultants coming in and saying, oh, we, we draw the lines, here it is, whatever. Nothing. They've done nothing. Kick the can down the road over and over and over again. It's absolutely unacceptable. As a person who is a resident of Fernando, as someone who, if I'm in the ward that's the largest, uh, and if I'm... You are. Uh, okay. Well, if I'm in the ward that's the largest, and, and my 3,300 you know, aldermen overseas 3,300 or votes for 3,300 constituents, and there's another one with 900 people in it, mm-hmm. man, that's completely off. That's just not right. It's not, and that's, that's not what right. they're trying to correct. And again, uh, the Ward 3 is the largest. Uh, that's the one that's basically, it's uh, Notting Hill, Lakes of Cedar Grove, Country Club. That's that ward, uh, Gary Higdon. And so he has the largest ward. And again, Ward 2, which is Andrew Miller, is the smallest ward. Uh, then you've got, and they've got one at 1,500. Another one's close at 3,200. But again, they should all be in that 2,348 range. That's it. I mean, give or take, 2,500 people should be in, inside of each ward. Correct. If we're going for seven, I'm sorry, six wards and, and a board of all. And I do want to say this, and, and I, to be fair, and this is a, a, a decent argument, except for the fact that it's been kicked down the road for 10 years, <laughs> that the census numbers will be in next summer. Okay. And so more than likely, when they come in, we're going to be at no longer at 15,000 people. We're not, or I think it was 1435 is what they had us back in 2010. We're going to be at 20,000 people. So will we may have to do this because we're out of 10% next summer, or maybe they're expecting actually the census to be delayed to next fall to get the numbers because of everything going on. But yes, you may have to, but guess what? It's easier if you're only maybe 5% sure. out sure. to maybe adjust 5% than to go from 98 to percent maybe to 103 percent or and then and you may go down to 93 percent maybe maybe people did move into those areas to make a little more where you have 900 but i'm not saying but you're still gonna be out of compliance right and even though yes you may have to do this again in two years for the next election in four years it does not matter it's been 10 years you can't just say well we've sat on our hands for nine years let's wait another year because we're getting new numbers we got to get it done because it should have been done nine years ago. Derek, it's pretty simple zero to 100 98 percent out of like ninety eight percent is in the wrong, right? Two percent's in the right. This so, is this again, is uh, this is unacceptable. So I mean, we know. may have to pay twenty thousand dollars more again, a year and a half may, now, pay some more to get in compliance after the new census. But we also need to go ahead and do it now. We we, we got to well, get the state it of Mississippi's telling us to. Yeah, well, state of Mississippi, and again, could be you know, I mean, it goes back to the Constitution. It could be. You know, legal issues uh, right. on that side of it too. Lots to dissect right there. But again, um, you know, uh, thanks for thanks for Derek for watching the, the video and, and kind of learning about that stuff. I know Derek, you had a, an opportunity to get all that information from the mayor yesterday. He will be on our podcast next week. Thoroughly uh, excited about that. I mean, really uh, to to learn more about that. We talk about on the UTW podcast. It's not necessarily a political show, but Derek and I like to talk about facts in Hernando. And this is a fact that that this has been going on for nine years now, and and something's got to give. It's got to be corrected. Not because we want to. Not because 
because the aldermen don't want to, but the state of Mississippi is telling us to. The Constitution of the United States of America, you know, should be right. paramount in our thinking. And and, and again, it's just it, they have to come to a consensus. And and we welcome also any alderman that want to come and talk from their side or from their district about well, this is what we're seeing. This is why we can't do it. This is why we haven't done it. We'd love to hear from them. And we've had some changeover. I think there's two new aldermen. Uh, I know one new alderman. Excuse me from last time. And so. You know, if he wants to come on here, any any of the ones that have been sitting on there for a while, we'd love to have them come on, and then also give their side of it because again, we want to be fair. We're not trying to do anything. We just know that this needs to be done, and if it's going to be done, let's do it quickly so we can all prepare for who we need to start paying attention to come campaign season uh, in late winter, early spring. Right. Reach out to us at under the water tower info at gmail dot com. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com. If you are really bored with our podcast or what we're talking about or kind of dreading a uh, autumn meeting and, and need a vacation, podcast is brought to you by Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. Give these ladies a call today to start planning your magical getaway. Their phone number is 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or look them up on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. Turning to sports, we're going to uh, look at a few things. We've got several things to look at today, which is fantastic. We appreciate uh, people getting us information. Uh, now, we'll get to football in just a minute. Now, the, everybody played last night. You're not going to get to hear us make our picks. Those of y'all that like to make fun of how wrong we are, you're not going to be able to hear about the mascots because uh, most of the teams played last night. But we do have a couple other things to talk about before that. First being volleyball. Uh, there were three volleyball matches uh, this week in the county. First was Lake Cormorant, who won 3 nothing over Sotelo. Uh, Lewisburg went to face Tupelo and beat them 3 to nothing. I have some stats on that one, uh, Matt. The Lewisburg, uh, Ellie Jones had 19 kills and four blocks. Micah Swift had 16 kills and three blocks and eight digs. Aaron Latham had 15 digs and four aces. Kennedy Simmons had 42 assists and 12 digs with two aces. And Lauren Lewis had eight kills and two blocks. With this win, Lewisburg clinched a playoff spot. Okay. So good for them. And then the last match of the week was DeSoto Central who won uh, versus Center Hill. Soda Central won 3 nothing. couple of statistics on them. Uh, Amona Silas had 14 kills. Uh, Gracie uh, Tracker had 34 assists. And Megan Harris had 13 digs. Oh, left out one more also. Uh, Hernando beat Olive Branch 3-0, uh, but no, there was no stats given with that. So, again, congratulations to the girls, to those teams, for Lewisburg clinching that playoff spot. We've already mentioned that DeSoto Central had captured the district, but there are a couple more games with the playoffs starting uh, within the next week or so. Yeah, we talked about volleyball um you know, being such a big part of DeSoto County, we kind of missed it uh, three, four, five, six weeks ago when we got everything started. Uh, but we're, we're jumping on that bandwagon right now, keeping you all up to speed on those uh, volleyball teams all across the county. Uh, mentioning to somebody yesterday, we were talking about volleyball in DeSoto County, and he said he, he had said that absolutely DeSoto County volleyball could compete definitely for state titles and down in Jackson uh, compete down there. So good luck to those girls and keep it up. And uh, also one more thing, Derek, um, Hernando's seventh grade, Hernando's seventh grade volleyball uh, team won the uh, championship, won the tournament, the oh, county tournament. 
tournament yeah, last night. And so uh, the, they say the seventh grade and eighth grade team are both uh, arguably the best in the county uh, at this time. So it should be a form- formidable team when they all get into high school together, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade. So so it should be pretty pretty stout coming up. So congratulations to those girls. Keep it up. Uh, turning our sights now, not necessarily on football games, but we do want to give a couple of uh, some shout outs to uh, some of the players in DeSoto County. First things first, some some um, five gentlemen, five young men were named uh, to the All Star, the Mississippi All Star team for the Mississippi Alabama All Star game that comes up in December. Derek, who are they? All right, we have uh, two from Horn Lake. We have defensive back Charles Thomas and the defensive lineman Thurman Rayburn, again from Horn Lake, have made the team. Defensive backs Tony McCray Jr. and offensive lineman Gabe Cavazos, both from Horn Lake, and wide receiver Isaiah Brevard of South Haven have all made the Mississippi team in the Mississippi versus Alabama game on December 12th. Big honor there. Uh, the Mississippi honor. Alabama. Yeah, Mississippi Alabama. The, the best thing about those games is they get to go compete against other guys I mean, that are, that are being looked at for college and have those opportunities and stuff. So they get a week of practice with college coaching, a week of practice where they get to talk to scouts and different stuff like that. So many of them, this is their opportunity, their way out of uh, DeSoto County, no offense, but it's their way to go and, and go play sports and have a, maybe a, get a free college uh, tuition. I mean, college, college degree, absolutely. So uh, two more uh, gentlemen uh, that got honored this week, named to the North-South All-Star Game. Uh, who's that, Derek? Right, we have two. We have a running back, uh, Darren Hobbs of Center Hill, and wide receiver Reed Flanagan of Hernando have been, both been named for that game, and that one will be played on December 19th. Congratulations to the, both of those young men. Obviously, uh, Derek, you and I both know uh, – Reed's parents uh, personally and just really good people. Reed has worked extremely hard to uh, just grow and, and, and become a, a better wide receiver. He's committed to, to football tra- um, tremendously. And uh, congratulations to him. He deserves every bit of success he's having right now. And we catch ourselves on Friday nights, my wife and I, paying close attention to what number one for the Tigers is doing. So good luck to him and, and congratulations on that big honor. Speaking of the Tigers, moving on to games that were played last night, as we talked about, Hurricane Delta uh, bearing down on the Gulf Coast right now. Hurricane Delta has affected all of the Soto County football except <laughs> except one which we'll talk about later but uh, anyway the Hernando Ti- Tigers took their 2-0 and record 3-2 and Two and O district record, three and two record, right down the road to Lewisburg, and uh, seems to put a beat down on the Patriots, forty two to thirteen last night. Lewisburg is is reeling a bit. Obviously, Lewisburg started off, I think, the year right at two and O. Uh, had a had a great start to the year and have just really, or maybe one and one, but have really just climbed since then. Hernando was a complete opposite. They started zero and two with a tough loss to South Panola, and then have just really turned it on, uh, winning four straight. Uh, they're now, of course, one of those included a forfeit uh, due to COVID, but. Uh, They'll take it one four straight uh, and have just continued to roll. Again, uh, for these games, we're not going to have really any stats because they just took place about eight hours ago <laughs> or finished up eight to nine hours ago when we're taping this. Well, we apologize for that, but we do want to make sure we get it on the air, the scores, anybody that's listening. So, again, congratulations to the Tigers. And let me just say, if I was picking the mascot, it would have been a Tiger. Yeah, it would have been Tiger. We would have, we would have picked Hernando to beat Lewisburg. That's probably what would have that's happened. Correct. I, I say that. They told us to keep picking against Hernando. But ever since they called me out on, on picking Hernando to lose twice and they won, they have yet to <laughs> they, they've won uh, both those games. So uh, anyway, Center Hill, go to the east side of the county as we usually do. We start under the water tower here with Hernando Tigers, and congratulations to them. We go all the way far east of the county. Center Hill Mustangs uh, rolling a bit. Center Hill Mustangs are a good football team. However, last night they come up against the Lafayette Commodores and could not get it done. Again, won't have many stats for these games, so it'll go a little faster than normal. But Lafayette and Oxford seem to be – 
I mean, I know Oxford beat Lafayette in the uh, the little rivalry there in in Oxford, but Lafayette's a good team as well. Beat the Center Hill Mustangs twenty one to six, twenty one to six. So Center Hill was riding a a good win streak right there, but um, came up short last night twenty one to six. Again, no stats, we don't necessarily know anything. So turning our next page, Derek, to maybe the hottest team we talked about, Hernando, but I got to tell you, a, a team that maybe has figured it out more than anybody, the Horn Lake Eagles. Take down the Olive Branch Conquistadors, twenty-six to ten, and it may not have even been that close. Any stats on that one? Yeah, um, it was a great game. There's a couple of facts coming into this game. Olive Branch longest win, winning streak over an opponent uh, was seventeen consecutive games uh, wow. against Horn Lake back in the uh, all. They literally never lost to them in the nineteen eighties. However, it's been turning around since then. Uh, the lowest scoring game won by Olive Branch all time was against Horn Lake. And Olive Branch's Darren Bowen and Horn Lake's Mitchell Horrible are both first-year coaches at their respective schools. So, again, a lot of history with these teams going back. I think I have stats back to 1969. Uh, and then, again, but also some you know, newness, with obviously, with the two new coaches. As you said, Horn Lake, again, another team that started slow, like Hernando, 0-2, mm-hmm. just really turned it on. Yep. And so, looking forward to them. I, I'm happy for the coaches. They had a young team. Of course, we just heard that they had two of their players going to the Mississippi All-Star, uh, Mississippi Alabama All-Star game. So, again, they've got talent, and they're, they're really starting to come into their own and just a uh, great win for the Eagles. Yeah, Eagles 26-10 over Olive Branch. Olive Branch has lost two in a row now. Their district record is 1-2, and two, so they're going to be uh, in the middle of the pack there in, in, in district, but 4-2 record overall. And Horn Lake 3-0 and o in district, so they're sitting at the top with the Hernando Tigers uh, right now and the Oxford Chargers. So, uh, all right, so speaking of Oxford, Oxford gets a 12-0 forfeit win over D.C. Talked about it on Tuesday. Uh, the D.C. Uh, DeSoto Central Jaguar football program is – is uh, put on a two-week hold, uh, so D.C. sadly has to forfeit their game to Oxford. Oxford moves to 3-0 and and 5-0. and D.C. falls to 0-3, 2-4. So you and I both know, Derek, we've talked about it numerous times. You'd love to see this played on the field, settled on the field, but in 2020, that's not the way it works. No, it's no. not. I mean, Oxford, uh, their light motif is that they you know, have had a great – Great history, great um, you know a winning tradition. They've won several championships over the last few years, uh, and you just really want to see you know, what DC could stack up against, what they could do. And unfortunately, with you know with the COVID, it's, it's affected South Haven, it's affected North Point, and now it's affected DC. And having to miss those two weeks is just tough, especially you know uh, with North Point, it wasn't an issue because they weren't in district games. But with South Haven and DC, you know you're taking two district forfeits, you know, and that's just that's that's, that's tough to recover from. Uh, and especially in, a, in what could be a shortened year. And so we just hate it for the kids, and you really want to see that played on the field. But uh, unfortunately, this is something that, you know, that, that has to be done because of the current rules. Yeah, and let's turn to the next game, Derek. South Haven having to forfeit their second of two games. Had to forfeit last week uh, for Hernando, and this week had to forfeit. So the Tupelo gets a 12 nothing victory. I'm, why they do it 12 nothing? I don't know. I think it's like six, six, six on each half, six maybe? Six half, and I yeah. think they give a score for each half. Okay, so six, six on each half, I guess. I mean – to make it twelve nothing, uh, it is what it is. Tupelo uh, started off slow, one and three, uh, lost the game to, to Hernando, and has won the last two, beating two DeSoto County teams, beating Olive Branch last week. Obviously benefiting from the forfeit tonight, they're working their way back into the the thick of things. So Tupelo two and one in district, three and three overall. South Haven still with one win on the season. So South Haven, I mean two of their win, two of their losses are going to be COVID nineteen related. So it's really sad that yeah, I mean, this is South Haven team. Remember the last game they played. They lost thirty-one twenty-eight to Oxford. Sure, so, they were playing well. Playing well, you know, had, had the game won, just had a turnover in the yeah. fourth quarter, and just you hate that now they basically got to start over, and it's just a just hate again. Just so the last game played play last night again. We start off the, the uh, we start off under the water tower. We go to the east side with Center Hill, work our way all the way to the Lake Cormorant Gators. Lake Cormorant thirty-five, West Point Green Wave twenty-six. 
Lake Comer at 35, West Point 26. Derek, big game. West Point is a power in 5A football in the state of Mississippi. West Point has a 2-1 district. This is our first district loss. And West Point, 4-2 record on the season. So Lake Comerant, a good football team, obviously. West Point's always going to be a factor in the north side of uh, the 5A ranks in North Mississippi. And uh, Lake Comerant took it to them, 35-26. Lake Comerant moves to 2-1 in district, 4-2 on the season. So all of these games that we're talking about were played last night, except for the two forfeits, of course. Uh, so, again, shout-out to those young people for being flexible, moving everything. Again, because of Hurricane Delta, uh, should be some rain coming into the area tonight. Uh, let's hope that that's not uh, dangerous rain. Let's hope it's not you know a, a, a really big deal. You not Derek from where, where we live or where we're from uh, definitely prayers go down to from the UTW podcast towards the, the coast down in Louisiana just hitting um, it's hard to believe that, that Laura Charles, was just hitting Lake Charles. Bow you know? Bridge, I mean yeah, the, the exactly. whole area. Two games tonight being played. North Point hosts Mumford. North Point hosting Mumford. That's right, the Cougars uh, coming into town. Cougars are 6-2 and two. And three and zero in district, so this is a this is a good team coming down. And and first of all, they've played eight games to North Point's four, so double the number of games, and just got a three and zero district record. They're a good team. Again, this they've got a, a good quarterback. They put up a lot of points. They can throw the ball, and they've also got a, a really good running back. So the North Point's going to have their hands full. It's going to be a sloppy field. You know, they they've chosen to play this game tonight. We'll see what happens. North Point's more of an air attack. They unfortunately lost uh, number one running back to a knee a seizing knee injury, season ending knee injury. Excuse me, last week and so that that's tough for them and so they're going to have to you know the ball gets wet you're going to have to find a way to try to move the ball down the field uh through some kind of rushing attack so we'll see what north point has but again uh should be a good game the mumford cougars uh, at north point seven o'clock tonight so again if you just want to watch some high school football all the the ones that watched the county schools last night and you just want to come sit in the rain and just you know, for some reason, just kind of slosh around. Uh, you're welcome to come to Trojan Field. Uh, you know, we'll have plenty of capacity to be able to watch that game and, and, uh, and just hope for a Trojan victory. Maybe it won't be as bad as we think. And I hope not. <laughs> the Weather Channel right now is showing 20-mile-an-hour 20, 20 winds and 80% chance of rain, right? That is correct. That's, yeah. uh, that's for the games tonight and then, of course, for the uh, college game, State uh, Alabama, you know, excuse me, Ole Miss Alabama game tomorrow. So, real quick, just so I'm clear, 80%. Oh, 60% tonight. 60%. 60% okay. Well, regardless, 80% is still less than the compliance that the city of Hernando is in their voting that boards. That is correct. That is okay, correct. 80%. Just, just a simple math right there. 80% is still way less than Hernando is out of whack in their wards. Last I checked. <laughs> Yeah, 98% greater than right. 80%. Exactly, exactly. And also the Magnolia Heights Chiefs. Magnolia Heights Chiefs uh, play the uh, Marshall Academy Patriots, Derek. Friend, a friend of the podcast is uh, a big um, Marshall Academy fan. I try and get him scores if I can. But uh, Patriots are 2-0 and in, di- in district. 3-0 in district. 5-2 and two on the season. So Magnolia Heights is actually two divisions larger than the Patriots. So it's not a district game tonight. But still probably a pretty darn good uh, big rivalry. Yeah, you got, I mean, you got uh, bordering counties coming oh, against yeah, each other. Um, just you know, looking forward to you know seeing uh, you know, Manila Heights having a travel cross into Marshall Ca- uh, County and should be a great game. I mean, yeah. West uh, because we said Marshall County, I mean, they they they've got a lot of you know they've had some athletes in the past come sure. out of there, and I think that you know this uh, you know, kind of like we thought we thought North Delta was a smaller school that Magnolia was going to go in there and beat them. Didn't happen, and yeah. so we'll see what Marshall Academy can do tonight. Yeah, I think Marshall Academy is known for their uh, their hurdlers, nice. their hurdlers. Yeah, they're really good hurdlers there. Hurdlers. <laughs> Hurtless. Magnet Heights plays the uh, Marshall Academy Patriots tonight. Uh, good luck to the Chiefs over there in, in Marshall County. We'll see. Uh, you know, Derek, uh, they lost to North Delta. I looked last night. North Delta played their game last night and won big. So North Delta's pretty darn good football team. So uh, look for the Chiefs and Patriots. Um, you know, not really picking any games this week because of 
you know, most of the games are already played. But look, we want to send a shout out again to uh, to the people down in Louisiana. Uh, the storm working up this way uh, again. That that prayers to to them and the people down there. If you're listening, we have some listeners in Louisiana occasionally. Obviously, high school friends of mine and yours and stuff like that. So I, I just hope they're safe and I hope everybody's safe uh, Saturday and Sunday of this week when weather rolls through here. So be smart about it. And uh, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, look us up on Facebook at UTW Podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, UTW Podcast, and on Twitter, UTW Pod. That's Twitter, UTW Pod. Most importantly, at your whichever podcast provider you like to listen to this show on, please hit subscribe. So every Tuesday and Friday, you'll know when we have a new show out. That helps us when we talk to advertisers, helps us when people call us about, hey, how many people are listening to your show and so forth. So we, we do have growing numbers each and every week. You know, We have some certain uh, things that we look at that, that continue to grow. Please uh, consider sharing it on Facebook, sharing it on Instagram, share it anywhere you can with friends and family. If any of the people that we talked about on the podcast today, if you hear their name, reach out to their mom, reach out to their dad and say, hey, so-and-so's name was mentioned here on this podcast. That's how we're going to continue to grow. So, uh, And also, Board of Aldermen, you're welcome anytime to visit with us about what, what we talked about today. Uh, can't wait to visit with the mayor next week. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've been you know, trying to work with the mayor for a little while and, and certainly uh, excited to get him on. So, Derek, anything else? Yes, I also want to say that on Tuesday we have Larry Sylvester, a candidate for the DeSoto County School Board, District 5, coming on our show. We'd be remiss to say if we did not uh, tease that. So, again, please listen Tuesday not only for the South Haven uh, Alderman meeting information for the wrap-up of the couple games that we uh, previewed today, uh, as well as uh, other great things that we'll have for you. But Larry Sylvester will be interviewed uh, on Tuesday. will be uh, – on our podcast so please listen in for that other than that stay safe out there in the rain uh just kind of please um it's, it's going to be you know kind of nasty tomorrow so if you don't have to leave stay indoors watch a lot of good football and uh can't wait to do this again on tuesday yeah i'm actually having the opportunity to head up to st louis for a soccer tournament so we're going north and missing the weather that's all that'll be good that'll yeah be nice so we're, yeah we're heading up north and, and missing the weather so if nothing else i'm matt and i'm Derek. join us next time under the water tower Could it be a faded rose from days gone by? And did I hear you say he was meeting you here today To take you to his mansion in the sky?